This podcast is made possible through donations from listeners like you and our partners at Tallman Equipment. Tallman Equipment prides itself in having more linemen tools in stock than anyone else. And now, when you're shopping online at tallmanequipment.com, look for the truck logo that says Fast Ship on hundreds of items on their website. That logo means that item is in stock and ready to ship the same day in most cases. When it comes to getting the tools and equipment linemen need, trust Tallman. Line 11 Clothing Company, making apparel for our first responders with a positive message to patriots that you can be proud of. The proceed of the cost goes to helping our foundation ignite the fire for father engagement. Give them a follow at Line 11 Clothing on Instagram. And finally, Monzingo Knives. Each knife is created with craftsmanship that only a tradesman could provide. Find them on Instagram at Monzingo Knives and get your American-made Monzingo knife today. Welcome to the Show Up Dad. This podcast is created for hardworking fathers. At the Show Up Dad, we recognize that fathers providing for their children is certainly important. When men truly understand their unique role and gain the knowledge and skills to be great fathers, they can transform and impact future generations. Our special guest is none other than Sergeant Eric McCants. Officer Eric serves as an investigative sergeant at Burke County Sheriff's Office in Waynesboro, Georgia, where he is also a member of their SWAT team. Eric is married and has five children. He is equipped with a Bachelor of Science in Criminal Justice Administrative and a Master of Science in Admin of Justice and Security. Welcome to the show, brother. Thank you for having me on, sir. Absolutely. Well, like always, Eric, I always want to open up with you telling us a little bit about your relationship with your father and how you grew up. If you can share that with our audience, give us a background. Okay. Well, to be honest, like I said, I've met my father maybe... 10 times in my lifetime. Uh, like I said, my mother had three kids and we're all by the same guy. Uh, and say, we live in the same area, but like I say, I've met him a couple of times. But I had different uh, father figures in my life besides him that helped uh, influence me to become a better father than what he was and help others, you know, to grow up and be better than what, you know, I was around. Mm-hmm. And which one of those can you draw from? Which one of those made the biggest impact in your life? Uh, well, probably to my grandfather, uh, who was basically the head of the family. He took care of everybody. He was in the military, so mm-hmm. he brought that structure to all of us. And then uh, I had an uncle uh, who was an archbishop, and uh, basically, like I say, he mentored me uh, as far as church, and also he mentored me in uh, my martial arts. He was uh, a kung fu master, and like I say, man, uh, he was just a straightforward guy. He was always had that brass personality. But he always told us, he said, some people are not going to like me for my personality, but I'm always going to tell the truth. And that's the kind of way I modeled myself out of both of them. Mm. You said he was a martial artist. What kind of martial arts did you guys do? Uh, well, he did Gumpa Wushu, which is a style of uh, Kung Fu. And he mm. did that for about 30 years. But then he put my cousin, who was actually my instructor, into Yoshikai Karate. And then they actually created a style called Gumpa Wushu. But basically, it's like a mixture of American karate and Kung Fu uh, mixed together. Mm-hmm. And so you went through those ranks of being in Kung Fu and stuff like that. Did that help you growing up? Did you start as a kid? Is that how you started okay. that? Or No, I started karate when I was about in 11th grade. 11th grade. Uh, and then, like I say, I, I started training. Then, and like I say, when I got out of high school, uh, for like the first year and a half, basically I stayed at the karate school. My cousin, uh, 
he helped me with the business aspect of it and basically uh, helped me with my patience. But he basically put me over the little kids. And basically what happened is kids are under 10 and all that. He gave them to me. And I said, that really helped me work on my patience because, you know, trying to get little kids to pay attention and to focus to do karate, even though they might enjoy it, but keeping them on the same page together is a whole nother circus. So I say one kid is going to be facing you, doing an easy rule, other kid's going to take off running. And like I say, it really worked on my patience. Like I said, I was coming out of high school playing football wrestling. If you told us to do something, we knew we were going to get in trouble. We were going to do it. But little kids, is just a little different. You got to be able to keep their attention and also teach them what they need to learn, but can't be too strict on them because at the same time, they're little kids. How are you able to keep their attention, Eric, if you don't mind me asking? Well, short exercises, like I told you, so you don't sit out there and try to make them do 50 pushes and all that stuff. You give them five, make them clap, get their attention. You got to do things to catch their attention. Like I said, if you're trying to prolong an exercise or make it too long for them, they're just not going to focus. And then, like I said, you still got to play into them being little kids. You got to make little competitions, make it fun for them. Like I said, if you try to become too strict, like you're trying to do with adults, it's going to fly over most little kids' heads. So you just got to make sure it's fun, make sure it's short, and just be direct in what you tell them to do. Mm. So simple and concise works best, right? Yes, sir. And I like that you said that you can't be too rigid with them. I think as fathers, we tend to be really rigid with our kids sometimes, and we try to give them that structure. And it's like, man, they're kids, bro. You know, yeah. age appropriate, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, many times we try to be straightforward and we feel like, the harder we are, the better it be for them. And sometimes that is the case, but sometimes you can be too hard and you can push them away too. Mm-hmm. How did it impact you watching your mom growing up? You know, just seeing the stress of, of you know, the, of just everyday life, you know, how did that affect you? Well, like I said, uh, my family's always been close-knitted. And like I said, everybody, mm-hmm. my grandfather, we always live maybe 10 miles from each other. So we always, it's a big family, but uh, seen her work hard. And like I said, she was one who pushed me academically, uh, Basically, like I said, my brother and sister were all into fine art. She made all of us play instruments and all that stuff, and she wanted things to just keep us focused. So, like I said, she started me off with the violin. My brother played the violin. My sister played the cello. And then I eventually grew out of it, and then I started playing the trumpet and all that stuff. But basically, she wanted us to stay focused, and she put us in different programs. She even had us cross-stitching just to keep our mind, you know, in different places, and she was big on reading. So she's always high on academics, and she always stressed that to us. Uh, that if we can do anything academically, we can go anywhere we want to be. So she always stretched that to us. Even though she was tired on so she made sure our homework was done before we did anything else. And she wasn't, I'm not going to say she wasn't a fun police, but she wanted to make sure that we did what we needed to do first before we had to get to play and have fun like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's definitely uh, a, a good quality that your your mom had there, you know, just being able to keep that structure in you guys and putting things first. You know what I mean? Into perspective, you know what I mean? That that's, that's admirable. You know, I know a lot of times um, mothers are never supposed to be carrying that. You know what I mean? That's, that's not a, that's not an easy task for a single mom, you know, and mm-hmm. you know, that that's admirable that your mom was able to do that. You know, um, I wanted to talk to you a little bit now that we're going to transition to this topic. The reason why I asked you on is because of something that I read And it was that being proactive instead of reactive. And that's the way you lead your foundation, your motivate. That's your motivational foundation. Okay. Now you have this great extensive career, you know, you've worked in, uh, in schools, right. As a police officer and stuff like that. And one of the big things that I'm seeing today is this, this drug that's out there. Right. And they're having overdoses on it's fentanyl and it's killing a lot of kids nowadays. You know, um, 
so that's why I asked you on here to come on here and just kind of share with the fathers a little bit about what you've seen in the schools, what you've seen throughout your career. If you can just really elaborate on that, dump on us and and just share with us what you know. Uh, I appreciate that. Okay. Well, like I said, fentanyl is one of those, it's not a new drug, but it's become a popular. Because basically what happened is, is people chasing that high. Uh, they mm-hmm. want to get as high as they can, almost want to push it to the limits. And like I said, with fentanyl, you're going to be testing your limits every time. I say it might get you high or it might kill you. And that's just how it is. Uh, like I said, I work in uh, Burke County, but I usually work with county schools. And what we dealt with a lot was, you know, kids, you know, smoking marijuana, things like that. And like you spoke about earlier, vaping. Uh, but now people are trying to get more into pills and all that stuff. And a lot of times they're buying pills and what they think they're buying are like oxycodone or roxy and stuff like that. But people are taking the cheap way out and just cutting in with it. And then like say, all of this comes from peer pressure. Mm-hmm. People are telling like, okay, well, you can't beat this rush. You can't beat this high. And some people's bodies are used to it. Like I said, they, they've been doing drugs for a long time. And then they end up passing out pills and stuff at parties and stuff. And then you have a kid that overdose or family mm-hmm. overdose. So that's why I always tell people, I mean, we'll never win the, the, the war on drugs. Drugs is just going to be here. But mm-hmm. like I tell people and I tell officers, if you can prevent one death, you did the best you could. Like I said, man, it's, you're never going to be able to stop it. It's an over a billion dollar industry. It's going to keep coming in. People are going to make their money off drugs. People want to chase that party. want to chase that high. But with fentanyl, like I said, it's just a different game. Even for me, as an officer, I had to be careful of the drugs I handle. Because like I say, people are putting fentanyl on everything. They put it in their mouth, their hair, and all that stuff. And you can read up on the different videos and articles where officers are just doing, you know, traffic stops. They're coming in contact with drugs. And then, like I said, they'll get a contact high and they'll pass out. And what's really sad is that, you know, they offered us Narcan and they said they give us two, one for the uh, person, one for us, just in case if we pass out on our partners and grab it from us and give it to us. Like I said, man, fentanyl is just one of those new drugs that everybody's on board with. And like I said, some people don't know what's in there, but they're chasing that high and they're trying to chase that near death experience. And fentanyl is giving people a near death experience or it's killing them. I read somewhere that this this fentanyl that we're talking about, that it's a powerful synthetic opioid, right? And it's kind of similar to morphine, but it's like 50 to 100 times more potent. Um, You know, it's pretty crazy to think that people would want to cut their dope, per se, with this stuff, you know what I mean? Knowing the risks, you know what I mean? It's it's crazy. And if you really look at it that way, it's all about business. It's all about making it more, you know what I mean? last longer for people and man it, it's sad because our kids are the ones who are who are paying the price for that you know what i mean yes sir and i said a lot of times they might have an older brother or uncle somebody that does narcotics then mm-hmm. the kids might get into it on accident trying to figure out what it is playing with it and something like that and then sometimes just off contact you can get instantly die from fitting off stuff like that so because it can get in your pores and anything like that or it can get into when you're breathing and you inhale it so that's why i tell people and you know always talk to your kids about dangerous drugs and like I say even though they might not pay attention to you you might make that last impression on them mm. and it might keep them from doing something they're not supposed to do mm. is that how we can be proactive instead of reactive with our kids by doing that by talking to them or yes talking to them giving examples um even at a young age like I, said, I don't want to say you start them too young but once you get like middle school and high school you want to go ahead and start talking to them let them know the dangers of narcotics but showing them examples, like I say, just even around here, you can read a newspaper about people overdosing on them. And then you give them the hints to tell them, like, hey, 
more than likely they got into some drugs that they didn't mean to get into and then they overdose. I say, man, we've had many times, and just recently we had a guy that was actually charged for a death, not where I work at, but in nearby county, he gave somebody some pills at a party, was sold it to him, and they died because of it, and it had fentanyl on it, and that's why I try to tell people, you got to warn your kids about the dangers of this stuff, but all it takes is for one person to have a bag of maybe 30 pills of fentanyl, mix, and it says oxycodone, and go to a party and start passing out, you can have 30 kids just pass out even die from all that stuff so i mean you can never prevent them from the dangers of the world but warning them is going to be one of the best things and like i say if you can find examples i mean you're always going to have youtube you're always going to have different articles for news just mm -hmm. let them read over it and try to give them a good understanding of what's going on because i mean it's plenty of examples out there mm -hmm. you just got to make sure they internalize it and like i say some people are going to try it. we can't stop it you can't stop your kids from being curious but mm -hmm. if you can get them that a little doubt, like, okay, I might get seriously injured or I might get hurt or someone might die, that might stop them from going down that road. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I know that telling teens not to do drugs is not the way to go, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Because they're going to be curious. You know, it's like one of those things where it says, don't, don't think about the number 13. Well, what are you going to think about? They're going to think about 13, right? Um, yes, sir. Teens are the most at risk right now because, you know, they feel like they're being judged for drug use. You talked about that peer pressure, right? And mm -hmm. I think a lot of times as fathers, we need to focus conversation on, like you said, scientific facts, right? And life, mm -hmm. life saving tips, right? Um, a lot of times we need to just listen instead of sharing our own opinion. You know what I mean? Listen to what they have to say and just get those little nuggets to kind of see what's really going on. Cause I could sit here all day and tell my 16 year old daughter, the, the, the scary stuff about drugs and everything like, which, which helps, right. Cause you got to make them aware. But I think just saying, stay away from drugs and not give them the why behind it. It doesn't go over too well with the teenager, especially if they're already rebellious by nature. You know what I'm saying? Yes, sir. Yeah. Sometimes like I say, you could push them into it. And that's why I say, you got to just be cautious on how your delivery is with it. Yeah. Like say we were all there. Your parents were like, well, don't do that. It's bad for you. All that. We were like, well, we need to try it out for ourselves to mm -hmm. make sure it's not that bad. And then we can come back and tell them that, well, it wasn't that bad. I survived. Mm -hmm. But you just got to find that happy medium, mm -hmm. telling them and then showing them examples. Um, like, so you don't want to be showing examples, like showing them a dead body of somebody that you know, passed out because of fentanyl. But also yeah. you want to give them examples on the news, maybe send them little articles, let them read up on stuff. I like when people go to parties and they have like, pills that have been passed out on all these kids overdose and all that stuff and maybe one or two kids die and just say well hey this is what happened this is what could happen to you just make sure you're careful out here like I say if you try to sit there and come down hard on them mm. it's going to more than likely push them into it and then like I said they get around their friends it's just hard to turn down I think a lot of times too as parents we need to lead by that example you know if we're telling them that hey alcohol is bad but yet I'm kicking back a, a 12 pack or oh, don't smoke weed and I'm smoking weed. You know what I mean? And I, and I actually learned that from a cousin of mine. Um, he liked to smoke weed, you know what I mean? And he told me one day, he's like, cause you know, my, my first name's Francisco. He's like, Francisco, he's like, how can I sit there and tell my kids not to smoke weed when I'm over here, when they're growing up, I was smoking weed in front of them. He's like, then I'd be a hypocrite. He's now, all I can do is just let them know, Hey man, I did this. It's your choice. You're a man now. You're not going to do it in my house. But if you so choose to do it later on in life, that's on you, you know, and you're going to have to deal with the consequences. I went to jail for it. He told me he's like, and that's what he shared to his kids. And I, I think out of 
the four or five, let's see, there's four boys. I think maybe one or two actually might still do it. You know what I mean? If not, I, I don't think any of them really mess with the stuff. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I thought that was very powerful that he was able to be pretty open about that, you know, saying, Hey man, I did it. And how can I tell him not to do it if I'm doing it in front of him? You know what I'm saying? Yes, sir. Yeah. Cause it'd be almost like a contradiction. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, you know, don't do this or, you know, basically don't speed when you get a car, but you're driving a hundred miles or whatever. So you just want to lead by example. Um, and sometimes it's hard, easier said than done. I mean, mm -hmm. You might have people that might be addicts, but they want to prevent their kids from becoming what they are. Mm. And like I said, you always want to see your kids do better than what you are. And sometimes you just got to show them the reality of what happened to you because of the choices that you made. And like I say that might break it home for them, saying that you hit rock bottom or you went to prison or jail because of stuff or you had friends that passed away. Like I said a good example would be if you're around somebody and if you did hard drugs like that or you're around people that did hard drugs, they're good friends, show them pictures of when y'all was having a good time. And then show them that obituary and let them know, hey, they went down this road and this is what happened to them. That might become a better picture for them to remember than sitting there trying to be hard on them about some of the choices that they might make. Mm -hmm. Now, Eric, I wanted to ask you, you have extensive experience working in the school systems and stuff like that. Um, what did you find with the students that you worked with? Did you see a big issue with drugs? I mean, during your stint doing that or... You know, and, and what was the common key with those students? Were they, you know, coming from bad families or were a place where a father wasn't present or what, what were the, some of the similarities that they all had, if you don't mind? Uh, well, like I said, I worked in, in school system coverage county. And like I said, it was just a mixture of both uh, from mm -hmm. the environment and then peer pressure. Like I said, you might have the one kid that everybody thinks is cool mm. and that everybody follow around, that everybody gravitated towards. And then like I said, he might, on his lunch break, sneak out the back or go home and skip school and, you know, smoke some marijuana. Then other kids want to follow around with them, be cool, be part of that crowd. And then, like I say, it just slowly starts to happen. Um, it's kind of a hard thing to prevent. Even, like I say, working as a school resource officer, you can't stop everyone. And that's why I try to tell officers. You can't prevent everyone or stop every crime. But if you can prevent one or two people from getting that crime, mm -hmm. then that's just what you got to focus on. But, uh, like I said, it's all about a peer pressure thing or trying to get that status in school. Uh, for some reason, kids wanted to come back to school smelling like a pound of marijuana. They thought it was cool. They want to be in class, being high and all that stuff. It was just the type of area where it was at. And like I say, it comes a lot from being around the people they live by. You know, they come home, they're smoking weed. They see no problem with it. And they feel like, well, hey, I go to school. It calms me down. It's just a whole thing about it. And like I say, with us, we didn't have too many hard drugs. I mean, marijuana was still bad, but like I say, vaping is what everybody's been coming into. And I tell people, I say, with the vapes and gummies, you just never know what's exactly in it. And I say, that's the problem that you're going to come in contact with. You might think it's just a little bit of THC in it. And then like I said, they might cut it with something or it might be more THC than what you're used to. And like I say, it can get you messed up. And then like I say, it's just a whole list of things that go on with it from gummies to edibles to vapes and all that stuff. And all it takes is one kid to bring to school and then he tells another kid, then they start passing around, and then it could be a big problem. Mm -hmm. No, I like that. Yeah, definitely. Um, that whole influence and trying to fit in is such a major factor. You know, um, we even see it with our daughters when, you know, they see other girls who are skinnier than them. 
or whatever, you know what I mean? Then all of a sudden they think they're overweight or whatever. And then now they're doing stuff that's harmful to their bodies to be able to fit in because they don't think they're thin enough. You know what I mean? It's, it's such a crazy cycle, you know, and as fathers, our job is to really, really just make sure that their love tank, whatever it is that they need emotionally is being filled consistently. Cause if not, the world is going to fill it for us. Yes, sir. And that's what happens with a lot of kids. Uh, they don't get the love or the nurture that they think they're supposed to get at home. Mm-hmm. And then they seek outside sources. And once they seek them outside sources, they might not choose the right ones. Mm-hmm. Like I say, some kids, they'll get to sports, they'll get to the band, they'll get to different things. But then others, like say, the streets will take them in and it's mm-hmm. hard to get back once they hit those streets. So that's why I tell as a parent, you got to be proactive to this. You got to let them know, talk to them. You not got to talk at them, but talk to them. Just like, hey, tell me what's going on. What's bothering you? And like I say, for some parents, that's hard to do, though. Yeah. Like say, some of us weren't brought up. You do what I say or you get out. That's just the mentality we were brought up around. You got to learn how to break that. I mean, don't let them run you. But still, at the same time, you got to have a kind heart to them and try to be that positive influence in their life. It's like some kids, and I say like this, kids are horrible, man. Like I said, man, kids can be cruel to each other. Man, mm-hmm. Working in the school system, man, if some people don't like you or whatever, they could torture you the whole school year. And I say, you might not ever know that your kids going to school being tortured, but they go to school and they just hate it and hate it. And then they might run away or they might skip school. And you just never know why. And I want to say, you just got to be proactive and just catch those little hints that they might give you. And when they come home, close the room, they want to talk to nobody or they're upset. So you just got to be aware of the things that's happening and just have that connection with them for them to feel comfortable enough to talk to you about what's going on with them. Mm, no, I can't agree with you more, Eric. Um, you definitely got to have that connection. I like that you said that because you're absolutely right. You know, once you start paying attention to detail, you know what I mean? And you start seeing these little changes in their behavior, you know, uh, it ain't no different than when they're an infant, you know, a child cries because why it's either hungry or it needs to be changed. Right. Mm -hmm. That's the way they communicate. Well, it's the same thing as they get older. If they don't know how to communicate, they're going to act out a certain way. They're going to get your attention. You know, when your kids grades start dropping, when they start faking being sick, that's an immediate that there's something going on there. You know, I had my son coming to me and uh, he kept on acting like he was sick. He didn't want to go to school. And, you know, this is a kid who loved being at school. You know, come to find out he's getting bullied by a fourth grader, you know, and he was in second grade. And it's like, okay, now I understand. But it was those subtle cues that we saw that change in behavior that, uh, you know, um, not wanting to go to school, uh, his grade slipping, acting out towards his little brother. You know what I mean? Those are the little cues that we got to pay attention to that you will miss if you're on your phone, not paying attention. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Actually, and that's just, like I said, you got to be proactive to those situations mm-hmm. and you got to be able to pay attention to your kids. You got to know what's the norm for them. And then once you know what's normal, when it's not normal, or when they outside the norm, you know, it's time to talk, figure out what's going on. Or sometimes you just got to talk to their brothers and sister. They'll mm-hmm. talk to them before they'll talk to you and you got to reach out to them. But I say some kids are not going to be comfortable with it, especially as being a father. You know, most times you're going to be that authority figure and they figure if they tell you, they might either get in trouble or you're going to try to scold them. And you just got to be able to build that relationship with them. I I understand. I'm not bad at you. We just need to come together to find a solution on how to fix things. Mm -hmm. I like that. Eric, I wanted to ask you, as a father, I get questions always asked me, you know, about, um, is it okay if they, if they, if they think you're, if they think their kids are on drugs, they come and ask me like, Hey, Dave, 
what do you think, man? If I think they're on drugs, should I go through their room? Should I not go through the room? I am. I don't want to be, uh, you know, breaking their trust and breaking privacy. What should I do? You know, what do you answer to that, Eric? What, what's your answer to that? What do you suggest for a father out there that's dealing with that? Well, my thing is, uh, if you feel like they're on, they're on drugs or doing something that's supposed to, you still got to be proactive to the situation. Like say, mm-hmm. if you got to hold in that room and go through it, do it. And then I say, do you explain why? You'd be like, okay, well, I've seen people go down this road. I see why you're giving these signs and, you know, that you're on drugs, you're doing things that you're not supposed to be doing. And I need to try to figure out why you're doing it and prevent you or stop you from continuing doing what you're doing before you go down that, that bad cycle. And I tell, like I used to tell parents all the time, like I said, you got to be informed on them because, and that's just now, like I say, what we deal with is a lot of games. Mm. And like I say, social media is where you catch them at, but a lot of parents, you know, they don't get their kids' phones so they feel like they're going to invade their privacy. I said, they're private and they have privacy to a certain point. And like I said, you got to make sure you understand that. Like I said, they could be committing crimes and doing all kinds of other things. So you never know. I say, you just sometimes you got to say, hey, let me see your phone. And like I say, most time they know that you're going to periodically check their phone or go through their room and try to talk to their friends, other people's friends, figure out what's going on, they're going to be less likely doing those things. I mean, you don't have to do that every day, just tell them, drop mm-hmm. the book bag, pull your pockets out and do that. But like sporadically, they got to know that, hey, he's coming around, he's going to check for stuff. And then like I say, just paying attention to those simple cues. But I always tell parents, you got to be proactive. I say, go through this. If you feel like it's something that bad, talk to them first if you need to. But if you got to go through that room or you got to go through that cell phone, do it. Like I say, man, Kids and social media is crazy. I said, you got to make sure you you nip that in the book quickly because it can get out of hand very quick. Yeah, yeah. And especially on social media nowadays, um, stuff can be recorded. You know what I mean? All all kinds of stuff. One of the big things that I'm seeing now is cyberbullying. Yes, sir. You know, we have these people that are bullying kids through social media. And, you know, that's that's a crime. You know what I mean? That's awful. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, especially kids who are different per se or feel different or whatever, you know what I mean? Now they're getting bullied and, you know, now they're, they're taking a gun to school. You know what I mean? They're trying to take it into their own hands, you know, because for whatever reason, they didn't feel that they could come to their parents or maybe they did come to the parents and the parents blew them off, you know, Mm -hmm. and now they feel like they can't trust you when they come to you. Because, hey, they're not going to do anything about it. So guess what? I got to take it into my own hands. You know, and it's it's crazy. I mean, we just had that mass shooting in Uvalde, Texas. So, you know, that that that's awful. Stuff like that should not be happening. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah like I said, that's cyberbullying, man. It's just a different animal, man. The thing about it is it might not even be a person that your kids know and they can get bullied by somebody else. And that's mm-hmm. why I tell you, you got to be, you got to be on top of it. But like I said, man, these social media things, you never know what's going on. And like, even that from social, uh, from cyberbullying, you have people, kids getting traffic and all that stuff because they get caught up mm-hmm. and they think they have friends with people. And they may think they're talking to somebody that's their age, that's 12 or 13. And they're talking to a grown person. They decide to meet up with this person and now your child's gone. So that's why I say you, you got to make sure you pay attention to these things because mm-hmm. it happens every day. And, you know, a lot of people, you'd be like me, well, that's not gonna happen to my child. That can happen to me. And all it takes is one time. And like I said, you might not ever see your child again. So you would rather be overbearing or get into their privacy and not make them feel comfortable mm-hmm. than to have them killed or trafficked or whatever happened to them 
and you don't know about it. So that's why mm-hmm. I tell people you got to make sure you stay on top of it. It's always going to be a happy medium. I say you don't have to come in there just straightforward all the time, but you got to stay on top of this. Like say, man, uh, cyberbullying is a problem. And then like I say, from these social media uh, outlets and uh, sites, uh, human trafficking and sex trafficking is really bad. Yeah. Because you see it all the time where you see the missing children. So, I mean, that should let you know something. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, just to, to add to what you're saying, you know, trust your gut. You know, if you think something's bad, trust your gut. You know what I mean? Um, I tell that to my apprentices. I tell that to guys I work with. You know what I mean? If you think something's bad, if you got that gut feeling, trust it. You know, I, I deal in an industry where you make the wrong mistake you could not be coming home or you could be horrendously burned. I'm, I'm a journeyman lineman by trade. So we deal with high voltage electricity all the time, you know, and sometimes, you know, you get that gut instinct, that gut feeling, maybe I shouldn't touch that. Maybe that's not de-energized. Maybe we should check it again. Right. And trust your gut feeling. And it's the same thing with your kids. You know what I mean? When something you don't feel is going right, trust that gut feeling and check into it, you know, and I agree with you hundred percent, Eric, if they live in your house, there's rules to living in your house. Uh, I just got off another podcast where we're talking about how having a phone is not a right. It's a privilege. privilege. Yes, sir. You know what I mean? I think today these kids think that it's a, it's a right, mm-hmm. you know, and it's not. And if you're going to have a phone, like with my daughter, she has a phone. She knows that I have to know the code. If there's a code on her phone and I can't get into it, we have a problem. And I explained to her the why, just like you said, they got to know the why. These days of, of just saying, because I said so, do not fly anymore. It doesn't work. It, does, it doesn't work with leading people. It doesn't work with teaching uh, apprentices. It doesn't work with, with your kids. You know what I mean? They need to know why, you know? Yes, sir. And anytime you tell somebody, I mean, that's just how this generation is. They're going to hit you. Mm-hmm. Why? Why this? Why that? You got to have an answer for it. And. Like you said, like I said, if you're going to leave my house, it's going to be rules you're going to have to follow. I said, if you want that phone, just know I'm going to check that phone. And I say, even with my wife, she stopped many things or she caught a lot of things that went unnoticed by just simply like, hey, let me give you a phone. And then you can tell something's going on with a kid, but you ask them for their phone or something and they'd be like, well, what you need my phone for? Oh, okay. All right. We already, we already know what time it is. Now you're about to give it to me. And like I said, you get prevent a lot of things from it. Like I said, you just got to stay on top of it. Mm-hmm. And like I say, if you build that type of relationship with your kids, let them know that, hey, I'm going to check your phone. I say, if, if I need to, I'll go through the whole thing. I'll download everything on it so I can go through it. You know, kids can be slick. Mm-hmm. They can download apps to try to hide stuff. They can try to get on social media and change their names. I say, honestly, it's the best way. And like I say, you just got to tell them why. Hey, people are getting kidnapped every day because they're on their phone. thinking They're talking to regular people that are their age, that are in different states, decide to meet up with them or they bring them to the school and craziness happens. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm going to go through your phone. That's why I'm going to check who you talk to, figure out who this person is. Like I say, it might not even be you. It might mm-hmm. just be a simple conversation between two 13-year-olds that your kids think is happening, but it could be a grown man on the other side just waiting for opportunity for you to invite them over or for you to come out and say, hey, we can meet up for a play date. And like I say, you just never know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, that's that's a perfect scenario right there, because I had a friend recently who in Mexico, um, his daughter, a beautiful young lady, graduated from high school. Right. And uh, she put it out on the on social media. Hey, I just graduated. Um, I'm looking for a job. 
you know, so I can start going to school. Does anybody have any, you know, suggestions or whatever, right? Or maybe she graduated from college. It was one of the two, right? Anyhow, beautiful young lady puts it on social media. There's actually people that are looking for that, these predators. And what happened with her in this situation is that there was a team, a media team that had actually generated this website that had legit leads and everything like that, that she called that, that called her back, saw what she did, called her back. She checked up on them, said they were legit, right? She went out to meet them. They never found her again. That was on a Monday. They found her Saturday. And the only reason they found her is because her, she never showed up back, back to her dorm or whatever the place she stayed at. And her phone, they could see it was going from Mexico City to the country, back to Mexico City to, to the country again, and vice versa. Like really sporadic deals. And they're tracking her phone. Well, they finally found her and poor thing. It was, you know, six, six days later or whatever. And uh, they killed her, you know, and supposedly that there's so many young girls right now that are, that, that this, this is happening to them, you know, and these predators are preying after these girls via social media, you know? Yes, sir. I mean, it's so many different things that you can get caught up with on social media. And I say simple little things like that, or like a, a game room or something like mm-hmm. that for kids. And they think, oh, okay, well, we're having fun, talk to these people about games and all that stuff. And decide, well, hey, let's meet up. We can play our games together. And I say, all it takes is that one time. And that, for you as a parent, you got to be proactive. Like I said, mm-hmm. you got to make sure if your kids decide to go anywhere, take them. Don't let them just hop in the car if you don't know this person, if you're not comfortable around. And even then, you still don't know. Like I say, it's, you see it all the time. You mm-hmm. might sit them with a family member, and then a family member. You know, so, so I've seen uh, or heard tales of where their own mother would sell their kids yep. into a sex trafficking thing. So, I mean, the world's crazy. And like I say, as a parent, you just try your best to prevent your children from getting involved in it or getting caught up in it. Like I say, it only took that one time to go try to beat somebody and you'll never see or hear from your child again. And I couldn't imagine any of my kids going through any ordeal like that. Mm. No, I can't imagine that either. That's crazy. Um one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, Eric, is what are some of the creative ways that you've seen kids hide drugs from the parents? Uh, like the edibles is one of the creative edibles. ways that you're going to say. Yeah, uh, they'll be like, okay, well, my friend sent me these brownies or these cookies or whatever. Uh-huh. Or basically, like, say, now, like I say, I don't know if you've seen it or not, but you probably have, like, with marijuana and stuff, they're putting in these different candy packages that say, like, Zoys and Runts and stuff like that, but it's actually drugs. Mm-hmm. And even with the edibles and the gummies, like I say, it looks like regular maybe vitamins or the gummies that you eat regularly. And like I say, it's going to be laced with THC. And also, like I said, they're just going to plant high they own them. Like I say, they might not bring it inside the house. They might stop down the corner, find an abandoned house or whatever, or give mm-hmm. it to their friends who parents are cool with them doing drugs and then just spend a lot of time over there. And when they come home, they seem disoriented. And like I say, you just got to make sure you pay attention to those things because kids are smart. Yeah, they're gonna to try to hide things from you. You just gotta make sure you stay on top of it. And I would say that's one thing about saying going to check their room. If I say, of course, they're not gonna leave it out in the open. They're gonna to try to hide it. And I say you don't want to go in there like you got to search for them. But if you need to do it, you gotta do what you gotta do. You gotta to toss the room. And I say give the reason why. Like I say grades been failing. I say you've been acting up at home with us. You've been missing school. Something's going on. And I say if it's not drugs, if it's not peer pressure, if it's not gangs. You need to let us know what's going on and maybe we can help you get back on the right track. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
do you feel Eric now that just through everything that you've seen in your, your career and stuff like that, what do you think some of the biggest things that are plaguing our youth today besides social media? Um, like I said, peer pressure on the games, like I said, man, uh, games in general, like I said, man, you'll mm. have the people that are older and they start recruiting these younger kids and you'll see gang members that are as young as nine and 10 years old mm-hmm. getting involved in the criminal element, acting out. And like I say, what happened is older people will recruit them and they know that if they do crimes, them, it's less likely for them to go away for a long time or to get time. But like I say, in the state of Georgia, uh, our youth detention centers are kind of over full. So let's just say a kid decides at 13 or 14 to fight somebody or they decide to break into somebody's house and all that stuff. They might have the possibility of going to YDC or then they might not. So it's a toss up. And so they feel like, well, okay, I can get this little person, you know, that's part of the gang and things they're included to do this. They work for them and they don't have to worry about themselves as an adult going to jail or prison. The little person might take charge for, like I said, they might not get that time like an adult would. And then they feel like they'll get a certain status for doing it. And then, like I said, the more crimes and stuff you do for the gang, the more your status goes up. And then, like I say, once they start feeling that power or feeling like they belong, then it becomes addicted to them. And then it's just that never ending cycle. Like that you said, once they feel like they belong. And I think a lot of times our youth need to feel like they, they, you know, everybody, even human beings, you know, we all need to feel like we belong to something. I, you know, from the research I've done, a lot of these kids that are prone to gangs is because they didn't have a father figure in the home. Right. Mm-hmm. I had a past guest on here and he talked about, he joined a gang because they had no father. So they had to band together. He said, there's a bunch of kids in his neighborhood. He grew up in South Philly, real bad area. Right. And mm-hmm. he said that the kids would band together like a gang to protect themselves from other gangs or other would be predators that were out there, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it was a, it was a form of protection and they felt like they belonged together. And you know what I mean? They felt like there was a camaraderie there. But then you have these older people there who actually change these kids, right? They they use these kids as pawns, basically, to do their dirty work. They manipulate, you know, and if yes, they sir. can't manipulate that way, then what do they do? They use fear, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. And like I say, um, you see it all the time, man. You'll see kids, they just keep getting beat up, get jumped or whatever in school. And mm-hmm. eventually they're given to it and be like, okay, but what I need to do to stop getting jumped or stop getting harassed and bothered, then they got to join the gang. And then, like I said, it's just a hard cycle to break. It's a hard process to stop. It's like I said, man, I work in an area where, I mean, gangs are just part of where you're, where you're at. Um, and it's like it's a 50-50 chance. Either you're mm-hmm. going to be in the gang or not. You just got to make sure you're strong-willed or not. But some kids just don't have that, that strong presence about them. And like I said, they're looking to belong to something. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, them gang members are going to make them feel loved make them feel like they're cared about they're going to give them money and they're going to take them in they're going to protect them and let them know that you know they got a place to come to if something goes on and at the same time they still have a, another motive they have ulterior motives for them to do things for the gangs and commit these crimes but still the kids are only feeling like okay i'm part of this these people have my back so i'm gonna do what i need to do to protect me and them and that's just how the, the process begins and it just goes downhill Mm-hmm. I remember a, a point in time in my life being younger, you know, um, where my brother wasn't old enough to have my back yet, you know, my younger brother. And uh, I always hung around with the older crowd. 
So I always wanted it, you know, and there, some of them were gangbangers, you know what I mean? And, uh, I always wanted to hang out with them because I thought they were cool. You know what I mean? Cause I thought they could offer some level of protection or, you know, we walked around and we saw how certain people treated them or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Because of the status of whatever gang they belong to, you know what I mean? And it was, it was something that I, you know, th- looking back now, hindsight 2020, I saw that and I, I looked at that and I thought, man, that's actually kind of, you know, it's kind of awesome to see that, you know, these mm-hmm. people are completely like, I don't know if it was out of fear or whatever, you know, they respected these dudes when they walked in, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, that was something I think that's, that's that young influential kids are drawn to. You know what I mean? They're drawn to that respect that they carry and stuff like that. And now that I'm older, I see, I got to be that man. I got to be that father who they look to. And I saw this one quote, it says, be the man your kids think you are. And I'll remember that to the day I die. I saw this quote, it was in a a supervisor of mine's office, you know, and uh, uh, the one great thing I learned about that guy is that quote he had on his board. That was probably the one only thing that I, I admired about the man. Um, but like they say, you can learn something from anyone, right? Good Just or bad. And uh, mm-hmm. I took that quote and it'll stay with me to the day I die. And it's be that person your kids think you are, you know? And for me as a father, I want to be that guy who they look up to. You know what I mean? That guy who carries himself a certain way, who has that respect, you know what I mean? And shows okay. respect because respect is earned, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You know, and I think if we can do that and model that to our kids, they're, they're not going to go be influential and, and want to go seeking the approval of other men or, or women or whatever it may be. You know what I'm saying? Yes, sir. Yeah. Actually, you just got to make sure you have that, that connection with them, but also show them, you know, the right way to go. I say mm-hmm. you got to present yourself in such a way that they know that you're respected around. And I say, because kids can understand, they don't know they, okay, well, this is not who I want to act out like. Like they say, if you're somebody that likes to drink a lot and decide to get upset and take mm-hmm. it out on, let's say, their mother or other people around, sooner or later they're going to get tired of it. They're going to start becoming, have an attitude towards you and stuff. And you just mm-hmm. got to understand that. So that's why I say, man, you just got to make sure you have that strong and tight bond with them. And like I tell everybody, it's all about creating that positive mindset. You got to make sure you, you let them know that, hey, you're cared about, you're loved. If you need something, we're here from you. But still at the same time, you know, part of me loving you is punishing you when you need to be punished or bringing correction when you're doing something wrong. And like I say, if you can establish that type of relationship with your kids, more than likely they're going to do what they need to do. But like I say, you can't always say it's going to be hundred percent no matter how much you love somebody. Sometimes they're just going to go off the beaten path. That's mm-hmm. just how some people are. But like I say, some kids are just naturally curious. Mm-hmm. No matter what you tell them to do, like, Hey man, that's a snake right there. Don't go near it. Your brother just got bit by it. He just got stung by it. Don't go over there. What are they going to do? Go right over there, preserve their devil. They got a trap in themselves. That's just how some kids are. But then others can be like, okay, well, I seen that. No, that ain't for me. So it's just, you just got to know your kids, basically. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I want to get on something that's a little bit off topic, but since you have a lot of experience in that, um, I read in your bio that you had experience with like these SWAT situations and, and working in schools and stuff like that. Um, with the recent things that happened in Uvalde, Texas, do you think that's becoming more and more of a problem with school shootings and stuff like that? Uh, yeah, well, I say even when I worked at, we, we had kids bring, 
guns to school. But what mm-hmm. they do is they'll bring guns to school just to show them off. And all mm-hmm. Just try to have that status and let people know. Um, knock on wood, we haven't had that type of incident to go on where I'm from, like I say, but what we have is the nuisance things where people calling these bomb threats and they have this new app out for kids. I can't remember the name of it, but basically what it is, they'll connect with somebody that's maybe like in New Jersey or New York and get them to call in a bomb threat to where your school is at so they can have like a three-day weekend and stuff like that. So it, it's kind of crazy, but I don't want to say it's a new norm, but like I say, it's just that direction is kids, they'll get mad and then they'll try to go to school and just wreak havoc. But like I said, we just haven't had that type of incident. And like I said, it's kind of far in between when you do have those mass ordeals, when you had that type of situation where somebody goes in and takes that many lives. But at the end of the day, as a you know public safety officer or as an admin or a school administrator or teacher, you just got to make sure you pay attention to your students. And that's why I tell people, I say, man, we got to make sure we pay our teachers and our principals and all that stuff. But I say having a classroom with, 30 kids to one teacher, it's going to be kind of hard to pay attention to everybody. And like I say, teachers are highly uh, not paid enough. Like I say, man, dealing with all those different personalities. I can imagine when I used to deal with kids in karate, we're dealing with 13-year-olds or 14-year-olds that's going through that change that just have all this emotional replacing. You're trying to deal with 30 of them at one time. It's hard to pick up on those little things because you're trying to make sure you keep control of the class and still teach at the same time. Mm-hmm. So it's hard, but just picking up on those little things uh, seeing those kids that, you know, that might have been into class and like to talk and read out loud and you see them drawn back, not want to, you know, give opinions or you might see people pick it on. You might just want to intervene if you can. Like I say, sometimes if you intervene too much, that's going to create more problems, but you might want to intervene on the side. Like if something's going on, let the school counsel on all that stuff. And like I say, we just got to make sure we pay attention to those things. Like I said, all it takes is one incident for a kid to feel like, well, hey, I got nothing else to lose. They didn't do something, mm-hmm. you know, so tragic like that. Yeah, and a lot of times, too, it's not just the one incident. It's, like you said, we need to pay attention because it's it's incidences that build over time where these kids feel that that's what they have to do. You know what I mean? No mm-hmm. one's paying attention, right? That's a cry for help. I mean, it's a la- it's an awful cry for help, but literally it's a cry for help when they get to that level that they are exasperated and taking a life is the only answer to their problem, you know, um, somehow along the way, people fail. Those people have, people have failed to see those signs that they're giving. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, I, you hit the nail right in the head, brother. We need to pay attention to our youth, you know, whether you're a husband, a father, a, a teacher, a mentor, a karate instructor, whatever it is, we need to pay more attention. And um, I agree with you hundred percent. You know, when you got 30 kids to one teacher, you know, I remember being in elementary school, we had 20, 25 students and we always had one teacher and then a secondary in the classroom to help out, you know, and that's the way our school was structured uh, growing up. It wasn't always like that, but you know, for the most part it was, and uh, I think that helped out, you know what I mean? Because you're always going to have a group of people that are rise up and you're going to need the, you're going to have the ones that need more help, right? Yes, sir. And you got to be able to, you can't stop the whole class because the people can't keep up, you know what I mean? But you have to have that second body there to be able to boom them up and get them on the same page, right? And yes, uh, I think that's what our, our schools now need more than ever, instead of trying to teach tolerance and all this other different stuff that is obviously not working 
you know, we need to start teaching them um, core values, I believe, you know, we need to start teaching our kids about respect. You know, um, I see a lot of these kids nowadays, they have no respect for their teachers and respect comes from the home. I personally yes. believe that, you know, you know, it's not up to teachers to teach these kids about respect and all that stuff. Yeah. They're supposed to mimic respect. And, and if they want respect, they got to show respect and give respect. Right. Mm-hmm. But the same token, we can't just send our kids to school thinking that these teachers are going to teach them everything about life. Right. We can't just send them to school because that's their babysitter. And I got to go to work. It ain't no different than a father who, takes her kids to a private school, a Christian school, and then thinks that they're going to learn about Christianity and, and, and spirituality because they just take them there. I mean, some of the worst kids I've ever met and, and dealt with were kids who were Christians, ki- kids who were actually pastors, kids. They're some oh, of the yeah. worst bullies I've ever seen. Yes, sir. And, and that's why I tell people, man, um, we see all the time when you deal with kids and they will tell you this, my parents won't talk to me that way or they won't handle me that way. I'm not going to let you handle me that way. Mm. Kids will tell you that they're 13. Well, my mama don't talk to me like this or my daddy doesn't tell me like this or they won't put their hands on me or do whatever and stuff like that. And you can't do anything with it. And they just had that mindset. If they can't tell me what to do, you don't have any control over me. And I say, it starts at home. I like say, mm-hmm. and sometimes like I say, some kids come from rough situations and sometimes yeah. you have kids that come from single parent homes where the parents are working, trying to provide for them. Mm-hmm. You have an older sibling that's trying their best to try to keep things together. And like I said, I've seen kids come from horrible situations. And some of them are strong enough to make it through. But some of them, they just don't have that willpower or they have that that push or that authority to help them get on the right track. And like I said, you feel sorry for those kids. But at the same time, you got to make sure you have that happy medium that you, you can't babysit them the whole time. And like I said, yeah, you have a terrible home situation. Things are bad. And like I said, I feel for you and I'm going to try to give you extra attention, but then you got to stop that point when they're like, well, shit, you can't talk to me that way. My parents are not going to talk to me. They don't do anything with me. They don't care about me. I'm not going to let you do anything. I'm going to just take over your classroom. I'm going to fight and do whatever I want to. And it's like I said, it's a happy medium, man. Like I said, those are some of the hard situations that you're going to deal with being a principal or being a, a law enforcement officer or a teacher mm-hmm. where, you know, you see these kids that are just come from deplorable situations and you try to get them alone, but someone you just can't save and that's one of the hard parts of it like you can't save everybody mm. yeah and I, I like it to what uh president ronald reagan said one time he says you can't help everybody but everybody can help somebody yes sir you know and i i agree with that quote i read it out the other day from a, a great book that was sent to me and um you're absolutely right i mean we cannot help everyone you know what i mean but if everybody can help someone, you know, that's a start, yeah. you know, and that starts with uh, teachers and peers and everything else, you know, instructors and stuff like that. Um, one of the big things that helped me growing up was being in karate like you. I was in Kempo Karate. Okay. And uh, that taught me uh, not just structure, but it, it gave me self-confidence in everything I did. You know what I mean? It helped me to be able to have structure, I guess. And I had had to, you know, like anybody who's been in martial arts, you know, it, it takes a lot of time and a lot of effort, you know what I mean? And in order to be able to go to martial arts, I had to have good grades. 
you know? So that was a goal for me to be able to do that. And it helped build that self-esteem that I, that I needed. You know what I mean? Um, a lot of times we had a lot of self-esteem because you wanted to try out a new move. I called the ninja ninja hour. You know what I mean? You wanted to try it on a kid. Well, I just learned this. I want to try this out. You know what I mean? But, uh, we always had parents around, you know, I, I see that nowadays, like hindsight, looking back, you know, growing up, we always had other parents, other coaches that looked out for you. I remember one time, a, a great man who I looked up to, he was a football coach and a wrestling coach for me. Solid guy. He was a construction worker, real big Husky guy. I, I was at the baseball fields and, uh, I was cussing. Okay. And he heard me and he turns around, he looks at me and he's like, Hey, your daddy didn't teach you to talk like that. Don't be talking like that. And in that instant, I just shut down. I was like, Oh, smack this guy. You know what I mean? I thought he was going to backhand me. You know what I mean? Here's, this was a football coach that I had who I had the utmost respect for. And I just locked it up. I stopped saying bad words right there at that moment, but it was guys like that who took it a step forward to be able to say, Hey, you're better than that. Come on, kid. You don't need to be talking like that. Your dad didn't teach you that. You know what I mean? So I think more people need to start doing that. I mean, I, I see that whether it be through devices or whatever, we're more sprawled out and disconnected. And we tend to turn a blind eye to what's going on. You know, we, we see that even in, in other communities out there where people are going into grocery stores, putting all kinds of stuff on a, a rack and then just walking out and no one does nothing. No one wants to get involved. That's crazy. Yeah. That would have never happened back when I was growing up. Someone would have <laughs> went like, you ain't going nowhere. Put that thing back there. And they would have pulled off their chunk and they would have hit them with their shoe. You know what I mean? Or whatever. You know what I mean? But that don't happen anymore. You know? Yes, sir. And, and the thing is, like I said, my mother and everybody used to tell us, and I can see it now as I got older for my family, it takes a, a village to raise people. Yes. And, and I said, it takes a village to raise people. And like I said, I was around football coaching and all that stuff. And like I said, they'll tell us, you get acting crazy, we'll, we'll do something to you. I said, mm -hmm. you act up, we'll, we'll, we'll handle it. And I say, but nowadays, it comes a lot of times from at home when parents are like, you're not going to talk to my kid that way. I got them a lot of stuff. And like sometimes you got to be like that. Everybody doesn't need to, but you got to understand that some people are just trying to help them be better. Mm -hmm. And it's like I say, it's the happy medium that we don't have anymore, mm -hmm. where we had a village where we allowed you know, other parents to step in and our place where they need to to calm them down or tell them that they're doing something wrong and all that stuff. Or when you go to another parent and be like, hey, your kid's doing this and that, and you get mad at the parent for trying to tell them what your kid's doing. Because we see it all the time. We have a kid act up and all that stuff, then the parent come up there and be mad at the teacher. Mm -hmm. Like I say, I, 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 I don't understand that concept. Like, so your kid's acting up causing the scene and then you want to get mad at the teacher and we just lost that thing where we we're letting the village raise our child and that's what happens like say you might not be able to get that point across as being the parent but somebody from the outside maybe a coach or a mentor or a counselor or a principal can get the point across that you need to be and that's why you got to be open to letting that village in some instances raise your child mm -hmm. no i like that man um Eric, how can anybody reach out to you? And it's coming to our time now. How can anybody reach out to you if they want to ask you some more questions about uh, drugs or or whatever it may be? Is there any way they can reach out to you, brother? Uh, well, yeah, like I said, I have a Facebook page. You can reach me at my Facebook page, which is Eric McCants, and then also on LinkedIn, which is Eric McCants. And then I have an email address that uh, I can put out there. It's going to be my last name, 
And then uh, McCants08-2002 uh, at Gmail. If you have any questions, like I say, you can always email me and I'll try my best to reach you. Absolutely. Well, thank you for coming on, Eric. And I want to end with this. Uh, since we talked about fentanyl today, I want to let you fathers know that fentanyl is a tasteless, odorless, and too small to see drug. In fact, an amount about the size of two grains of salt can cause an overdose. Okay. Dispel the myth of a safe source. Substances are laced with fentanyl long before they even reach friends, dealers, and friends of friends. Teens trust to supply them. Okay, so keep that in mind. Fentanyl can be anywhere as distribution in pills and powders is totally random. While one pill might not be deadly, another one could be. So keep that in mind, fathers. And like Eric said, be proactive, be involved in your children's lives, and pay attention to detail, guys. Seriously, these are our kids. All it takes is one second, and it could be over with. So once again, this is David with the Show Up Dad with my guest Eric McCants on here. And we just encourage you fathers to continue doing what you're doing. Thank you for joining our show.